0: You can also gain access to our found footage show, the Weird Tape series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
4: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode, uh, bonus talk show episode after uh, season one of the sleep-wake cycle. Um, While we're working on episode two, which is set to premiere sometime in May, We're going to be releasing a weekly kind of discussion podcast with the uh, Maltopia creators and um, our voice actor, Kelly. So we're expecting um, anywhere from three to six episodes, kind of depending on what's going on and how much writing Mark can get in for season two. But we will keep you posted uh, over on our Twitter Probably our Facebook. And for more updates, you can uh, find us on Discord and uh, of course our Patreon at patreon.com/slash Maltopia. So before we get into it and make uh some quick introductions, I just wanted to let you know that there will be spoilers for season one of the sleep wake cycle. So if you're not completely caught up, um I recommend pausing and coming back afterward. And additionally, in subsequent episodes of this little talk show before season two, we're likely going to get into our other stories over on the Maltopia feed, on the Maltopia podcast. So those stories, um, if you're not caught up with that feed, uh, there may be some spoilers over there as well. As we get into it, um, into these episodes, uh, I'll warn you as much as I can ahead of time, but a lot of our talk show stuff, like our Call of the Void series over on the Maltopia feed, it's a bit off the cuff. So sometimes we don't always know what we're going to be getting into. Uh, I come into it with a kind of a loose list of questions And typically the conversation takes care of itself and we're never really sure where we'll wind up, but like I said, I'll, uh, give you as much warning as possible. Now with all of that out of the way, uh, we'll do a quick round of introductions. Uh, the other three with me, um, need no introduction. You'll recognize their voices quite easily, uh, from the podcast Mine may be the only one you're not familiar with, um, and I am Walker. I am the uh, kind of chief editor guy for Maltopia, and I also do some writing and some uh, management type stuff, and I'm also, I just started voicing uh, the lead character of October's Children, our uh, Patreon-exclusive Kind of mini podcast that uh, we have over there, so check that out if you're interested. And from there, we will move on to um, our other what are you panelists, guests?
0: Yeah, um, I mean they're panelists. Whatever. I like, we are a in game an, show. In, yeah. Right. So, Mark, who are you? Yes. man? I am the. I guess I'm the lead writer. The. Um, creator guy that does the mythology and all that kind of good stuff. I also voice Isaiah and uh, what could be construed as a very poor Jack Nicholson interpretation or impersonation. And I am also our artist, our resident artist. I don't and know you what you can find our
4: be. art. I'll stop the marketing soon, I promise. But you can find our art over on uh, Instagram and we typically share new art with our patrons first for a while. Moving on, we have Steve. Who are you, Whoa. Steve? Uh, I'm one of the lead writers, and I'm also the audio engineer. I say audio engineer. I just know how to screw around with audition a bit. <laughs> and uh, what else? What lead else? writer? I think I already said that. Yeah, that's what I am. I'm lead writer and audio engineer.
0: He's, he's, he's also my brother.
4: And Mark, yes, brother. Yes, yeah. the two brothers. And uh, in a first we have with us very exciting kelly bear world-renowned voice actor (laughs) oh boy (laughs) thank you for joining us how are you
2: i am well hello everyone uh world-renowned wow i'm small world maybe but thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) tell us a
4: little about yourself kelly
2: well, um, I guess you guys know a little bit that I have been hanging out with the Meltopia gang for quite a while now. Um, I kind of feel like you guys are my home. <laughs> so maybe Yay. I'm the sister, the sister of the group. I don't know what I am, but <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. But uh, currently, I'm, I'm, if my voice sounds familiar, I've been playing uh, Rosemary in Sleep, Wake, Cycle. And uh, in our um, reboot of the I guess we should remaster, maybe is a better word for that, of yeah. um, Red Mother. Um, I've been playing the role of Vive. And then a, a, once in a while, I'm sure you've heard my old lady voice coming through here and there uh, <laughs> in random places and a couple of different uh, couple of different stories here and there as well. So yeah, I've been yeah. Uh, voice acting for a couple of years now. I'm kind of still a newbie. So thank you for saying world renowned. <laughs> um, and I've, I've bounced around and done a, done a little work on a couple other small, um, well, small, large podcasts as well. Um, so if you, I don't know if we want to plug those or not. But, yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah ahead. So, go ahead. Yeah, so I've um, also with the No Sleep podcast, which if you're into Mailtopia, No Sleep gives you a wonderful um, horror spin, spin as well with slightly different genre, but just along the same lines of awesome storytelling and great writing. Um, so I've been, I mostly do a lot of ads actually and uh, and random voices like the uh, the ticket lady in the background that said, final ride, final ride, everyone, final ride. And you heard me over the loudspeaker in the background. So, you know, awesome. <laughs> I'm not, I'm uh, not running any leads in those, but you'll hear me here and there with that, but it's, it's wonderful. And I've had a wonderful experience with you guys. This has been an amazing universe. To work uh,
4: thank in. you. Yeah.
0: Thank yeah. you very much.
4: We're uh, just still after what's been a couple of years, probably by now still thrilled to have you uh, on board and and, uh, some of us have lost some bets. We were sure you'd uh grow sick of us by now and say, Holy crap, <laughs> stay away from those guys, they're weird.
0: I'd also like to point out that she does the gun maiden.
2: Oh, thank you. That, yes, I do. I, I uh,
0: love I love the gun maiden. In fact,
4: damnation machine, correct?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, Kelly Kelly had just I I think you had just joined up with us just a very short period of time, and I said, Well I got this character and She's kind of, you know, she's kind of gruff. And then I hadn't heard the vocals for it. And then it came out. I was like, oh, I I, I almost swear again. I love that. I love that voice. So if you hear that, that's my favorite (laughs) voice. I love that.
2: I pulled from my, my roots. Uh, so I'm originally from New Jersey. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, South Jersey more. So I had the, the Philadelphia mob thing in my head. But then I've moved a little closer to New York City. So I kind of kind of pulled together. <laughs> 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 all of the, all of those little bits and pieces. And just yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. She's great. That's a great character.
0: I just I love, love that voice. Wonderful.
4: <laughs> and Kelly, uh, people can find you on the socials, uh, namely Twitter
2: twitter uh yep you can see, find me on twitter at the uh really original we were laughing about like what is my twitter hand, handle it's literally k bear b-a-i-r at 71 so at k bear 71 that's my that's nice my twitter handle can't yeah can't <laughs> get creative <laughs> so.
4: awesome so with that out of the way we have some questions obviously uh we and we think the audience would be most interested in hearing about Kelly's experience, uh, what her her thoughts are on Maltopia, the characters she's voiced, why she enjoys it, but we don't want to slam her with all kinds of questions and and that kind of thing. So I'm just going to start off with one or two and we'll just see where we go. Um, So you've uh, shared a bit about your podcasting history and your voice acting and um mark may be right that your first introduction to uh our stuff was damnation machine over on the maltopia feed and just kind of uh share if you'd like a little bit about your thoughts as you got deeper into the the maltopia world and your thoughts on the the world building and and the stories and the characters and kind of why is it kelly you've stuck around for so long we can't figure it out
2: (laughs) i was gonna say the reason why i haven't run away screaming yet is because it's one heck of a a universe i mean i am i'm being serious i I wouldn't have stuck around if it was really boring honestly and so every (laughs) every character even whether it's two or three lines or it's an entire narration i'm doing my, my by myself every single story is so rich in 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 just description, the dialogue, everything, and that's what keeps me really interested. Because I'm a I'm a Dungeons and Dragons nerd, and I am a fantasy person, and I'm I'm all into it. And so for me, it was like I'm and I'm an only child, so I used to run around my backyard, you know, pretending I was doing weird stuff like riding my horse and slaying dragons. And then you know, there's an, there's an ogre under the whatever, you know. And so I, that's like my thing. And I I can't tell you how just pleasing it is to be handed a character and she's so well-developed or or, they've all been really well developed and the details with them and what I've been really impressed with um, and this leads right into sleep-wake cycle and I can go on and on about Romy because I'm in love with her um, is just how, how strong all of these characters are. I haven't come across a female character yet who's like, oh, you know, oh, I can't handle anything. Even Aunt Bertie <laughs> is completely kick ass, you know, and it's like there's <laughs> just, everyone has just these really interesting layers to them. And um that's what's been so fun for me because I'm not I'm not a seasoned actor, I haven't done theater, I haven't done any of that. And so mm-hmm. this just gave me an opportunity to kind of just live in and you know live a character you know that I would be reading normally in a book or and and I would do that in my head anyway so this has just been a really great way to exercise that little fantasy of mine too and kind of bring my voice and my take to what I think the character should be doing and um yeah, it's it's I have just been thrilled. Everything I've been handed, I'm like, wait, what? And so then then I start digging into the back because you guys have this wonderful catalog of, of of material and story, and it's so rich. And I go backwards. I'm like, oh, I'm making a connection. I just talked about that. I didn't even know that existed over here. And I'm finding all these neat connections. And that's what I think is so fun about Meltopia is that everything we do is all this really fun universe. Yeah, I, I Dark, think I can Dark sense really sick, but you know. <laughs>
0: I can sense three three heads sticking straight up out of their skulls right now because we're just. it's <laughs> so awesome to hear. No, yeah,
2: I, I mean it. I mean truly, it's again. I w- wouldn't have stuck around if I was like, "What is this stuff <laughs> I'm doing?" You know, it's so no, it's really good stuff. I love it.
4: Awesome, thank you so much for that. And yeah, thank you. What I find um interesting, and I don't know a great deal about it um, specifically, but I have. I I do have a similar relationship with Mark that you do, and you know, as the three creators, Mark is uh, very much the you know Maltopia is his brainchild, and uh, Steve is uh, the encyclopedia of that world because Mark often forgets what what it is he's created, and uh, for the past seven years. Wow, seven years! I've uh, yeah. I've just kind of been drowning in all of this, you know, this incredible uh, world uh, they've created, and we have such a great chemistry. Um, Mark brings us his latest ideas, and uh, especially when it came to hashing out what project to put forward. Um, There were a couple in the running before sleep-wake cycle, and we just have a great chemistry discussing what's best for us to pursue, what the audience has to say about it, and getting into the developmental aspects of the story and just kind of talking about it. And we've just had, um, you know, countless creative discussions over um, all of these uh, series and stories. And I imagine it's similar between you and Mark because there's a very specific back and forth between you two. And as you know, um, we've told you uh, countless times, like a broken record, that um, any thoughts you have on your character, on any of the characters, on the story itself... Absolutely. Talk to us. Talk to Mark. And I think the closer, especially for the sleep-wake cycle, because you two are the protagonists, um, that close relationship creatively really carries over to uh, the characters and the performances. And um, I guess I don't have a specific question, but I always found that that relationship interesting and those discussions interesting and just uh the the ideas that kind of sprout from them um and just this continuous dynamic relationship watching these worlds and stories unfold and it's just i imagine you must get um a bit of that uh over the past two years
2: well, that was something, and you—you you just stole everything I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I was gonna say exactly the same thing. Um, that's one thing I—I—I I, I find unique with my experience with you guys is you've always been very generous and open about Kelly. Look, if you—you get if you're reading something and you're like, no way, like Romy would not do this, you know, or as a woman, I don't feel like, you know, just anything, anything that pops out that I feel I, I wasn't crazy about. Um, I always had free reign to be like, guys, can we tweak it? Let's do this. So far, I really, I'm, <laughs> I'm not just saying it because we're doing this now, but I mean, I, so far, I think everything's been written very, very well, but that's it too. It's like having that conversation. What kind of voice should we do? And what are we thinking about that? And what's coming up and what what, what do I want to contribute to it? And that's not, that, that happens in other places, but that I haven't come across that and other experiences typically which is fine is how it is like here's here's a script here's direction you know you can play with it a little bit we can have a little back and forth but it's usually pretty you know this is what this is the vision exactly how we want it just do this you know um and submit it and so this is this this. has been a really great um a great experience because we've, we've had this back and forth and i think that's what makes this um the universe so rich, right? Is that with a couple different inputs coming in and we're all kind of adding these different viewpoints to mm-hmm. how this grows. So yeah.
0: Well, I I've gotten to the point where like when I'm writing Romy, I'm just she's talking in your voice. So she you you've kind of completely taken her over as a character in my head. Yeah. So when I'm writing her, you know, I'm 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 kind of trying to tailor it. I'm not really trying to do anything. I think a lot of times it just comes out organically. I I've come to assume that, you know you're Romy. And whenever I'm thinking about her lines, whenever I'm thinking about her responses or something like that, I just immediately default to, you know, what you would sound like that in that role in that situation. In fact, it's gotten to the point where I don't even think I've written in any really major cues. You always pick up on whatever the atmosphere is at the moment and then act accordingly. So it's, it's been like, I, I used to put in a lot of direction just because, you know, for Steven's purposes when he's putting the sound together, but, uh, I, I never even say anything like, um, you know, Kelly, she's supposed to be really excited in this part. You know, can you can you really become? You know, I don't generally have to do that because you always pick up on it and and do yeah, what you to be that done. As that groove
2: we've kind of gotten into, which I love. Yeah. Like you know, like I, I get her, I I get Isaiah. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm, and that's the thing too. Is like people probably are wondering, like I don't get these, I don't get these all in advance. It's like you know, and and I could if we if we did, I wouldn't even read them in advance. Like even with Red Mother, I was like, no, 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 I'm not reading the whole thing all the way through because I like to kind of be in the moment as I get to it. Yes. I I read them. I review them. I practice them before I record, but it's kind of fun. I love, I love the way we're doing this for every week. I'm like, Oh my God, is Isaiah dead? Like what's happening? Like, I don't know. (laughs) And it's like, you know, and it's, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm probably not, but you know, it's, it's just fun. And so for me, it's like at the same time I could kind of run along with the fans with it too so it, it kind of helps get me into it too because i get surprised by some of the stuff that i read And i'm like oh, what and that's how i that fuels how i how i do it and so that's just my that's my way of doing it um yeah
4: and having you on board uh especially for so long has really helped us kind of become more comfortable uh writing about and discussing female characters Mm -hmm. and how to approach them and that's one of the one of the reasons we wanted to do the red mother remaster was not only because it's like well we want kelly's we we gotta have kelly for for vive but it was we we looked at the writing and we realized how far we'd come and a lot of that progress was due to your presence and your conversation. And we realized we had to tweak the writing a little bit and make it a little more authentic and a little more real. And um, I, w- I would say there's been a great deal of progress between, because, geez, Mark, you started Red Mother, I don't even know, five, six years ago. That was a while ago. Now coming into sleep wake cycle with Romy as a lead character and Kelly's uh uh most prominent input is I wouldn't change a thing. She feels real, she feels authentic, and that's just uh a wonderful feeling knowing that we're growing as writers as creators and that we're kind of doing justice to the characters that we're we're bringing forward
0: and and you know you you do a fantastic job um, capturing a lot of the different aspects of her personality like on the on on the one hand she's you know these characters are kind of textured um, with you know, my, my own disorders. And she happens to encapsulate, you know, the schizoaffective aspect of it all. And she's very multifaceted in the sense that Mm -hmm. she's kind of got these issues, but she's also um, she's got this occult background where she has schooling. She has to, she dresses things in a very academic sense at times. And then other times she has to act very irrational because of her disorders. And the way you've, you've kind of voiced her balances those somewhat you know antithetical characteristics perfectly you know it, it brings that out and it makes it real because a lot of people might just assume a very flat distinction between one and the other and they kind of rub up against each other and don't blend very well at all whereas that's not the case you you balance them all and you bring out all the aspects of that multifacetedness that i that i i really want to make sure that uh, that she represents and it's just been perfect it's just you know always always spot on <laughs>
2: Uh, so it's good, good to hear. I mean, I, I, you've given me that feedback as we've gone along, but that was so important to me. Was that you know she just, I wanted her to be real, you know, and and it, and it, it, was, it was at first it was challenging. I was like, how, oh, mm, how do I do this without like you said, just like this weird, oh now I'm this and now I'm that, you know, you yeah. know, It's but it, cause a lot of times it's like it was subtle how it blended. All of a sudden she's there, you know, and so yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that I'm I've been hitting that because it's just it was very important to me that we. We represent because she's she's so kick-ass like she really is and, and, I lo- and I love that how she'd be like well blah 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 you know just totally like I'm just I'm giving you the info I'm teaching you I'm schooling you right now and then and then second minute she's like oh my god but the people are looking at me and and uh you know and then it switches and it's just like yeah. so interesting with her and she's yeah and I want to I know people have probably listened to the whole thing but I don't want to ruin too much either but it's like her progression all the way through the story has been amazing and how she is at the end is just like how oh, ever
4: everything's on the table regarding sleep wake cycle okay the the <laughs> season one anyway discuss any detail you like
2: yeah i just i just the whole i just i'm loving how the end where she's just like i'm not afraid anymore you know i mean like it's almost like, like <laughs> everything's snapped and she's just like ah, i gotta do this <laughs> but i mean it's just it's such a neat switch in her too right she's not second guessing and she's just like This has got to happen and i'm taking control of myself because that's her whole thing right is that i've been feeling i feel out of control i haven't been in control of my life so everything i've done is to help me control what i can yeah that's an important piece to her right and so it was just i i'm loving how at the end it's almost like it's naturally it's not like she's having to try too hard it's naturally happening happening with her at that moment um towards the end and i'm just it, it was a it's a neat it was a neat scene to me i'm just like I totally, I totally saw, I'm in in my booth recording and I'm like, I kept hitting the stand because I was like, I was wielding my balik, and I was like, okay, you got, you, I, yeah, I like it, it was, it was the nerdiest looking thing in there. And I was like, I'm glad nobody's looking at me right now because I was in there and I'm just like, I'm going to, and I'm like my hands, I'm like, ping, And I was like, Oh, shit. I had to go back it up and I had to redo the scenes. I had all this like background noise. And I, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> if you ever wonder if I'm enjoying myself, I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, she's just amazing. I think she's, I love her. She's. Intelligent, she's she's strong, she's intelligent, but she's has her weaknesses and her moments. And you know, it's kind of how like every every young girl wants to grow up to be that powerful woman, but the reality is, you know, we we we're scared. We're scared, and we have we have personal issues and we have things that that you know keep us from feeling so great, but it doesn't matter. You overcome them, you know, and it's that theme's there, and I love that about her.
0: Well, the it's interesting too because you also voice Vive, who's a completely different kind of character. Like she, <laughs> she's like slowly going mad, and yeah. and she becomes assertive in this really kind of almost ins. Not I don't want to say she's totally insane, but I, I would say that she's becoming a different person yeah. in a different way, with a different trajectory with regards to where Rosemary's going. And you won't confuse the two of them. Like you, the way you've played uh, Vive is is completely different as to how you've done uh rosemary and their arcs are kind of similar in the sense that they've they've moved a a vast distance Mm -hmm. over the course of the story but the way you voice them it's very distinct it's like you've you've captured the essence of 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 what those characters are and you bring it out and it's very discernible uh with the 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 two kinds of personalities that you're dealing with so i mean it's just been fantastic the the way that you've you've kind of captured the characters that that you've handled thus far
2: They've been really fun. Viv's entire, I don't give zero, zero F's given is just like, you know, she's just been moving <laughs> along and I'm just like, all right, girl, we're doing this, you know, and it's, it's been really, it's, it's been really fun too. So I'm just kind of like, mm, all right, let's do this. And so, yeah, a little bit of that attitude and that whatever kind of mode, but then at the same time, she's vulnerable too. And she has her little moments where these things are still, still sneaking in, but where we left it off and no, uh, we're shifting big time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'd
4: like to um, kind of give uh, the audience an overview um, of Mark's approach to the sleep-wake cycle and kind of take us through the conception of the story, uh, how you came up with the characters, uh, specifically your um, desire to go in the horror-noir direction. And of course, Kelly, Steve, uh, hop in anytime with your thoughts uh, along the way. But Mark, uh, talk to us a little bit about that, that whole stretch of time. It was several months leading up to um, releasing Sleep, Wake, Cycle. You had several different major narratives on your desk, and we were debating which to go with we settled on October's children uh, which was a strong contender and it was actually the official uh, narrative we were going to put forward um, until we switched gears for uh, a variety of reasons but um, yeah take us through how you came up with all this.
0: Yeah, um, what I was thinking was I wanted to do a show that was essentially as encompassing as I could with regards to the mythology of, of Maltopia. And a lot of the other stories were very isolated in terms of space. Now, they, they were fed a lot of mythology, a lot of the mythos, a lot of the stuff that was coming out of a, um, the writing, but they were, they were kind of planted. And as a direct result, you know most of the other stuff that I had written about was coming in in a trickle so I, I kind of wanted to do something that was more globe trotting something that would allow them to take in a wider vista of the world and so I thought of this couple that more or less just got different assignments and um you know it, we're we're moving around in such a way that you couldn't help but to get a more expansive sense of of the the breadth of the world the the texture the you know, the, the the nuance and whatnot of it. And I just kind of screwed down from there. I was kind of like, okay, well, they're a couple. Are they are the married couple or what are they? And, you know, I started to reflect on some famous, you know, horror couples. You know, obviously the, the one that came to the fore, I guess, was well, it's not horror. I guess maybe more technically sci-fi or paranormal, which is, of course, the X-Files. And I was like, man, this would be kind of cool doing something like the X-Files, but with the texture in the background that Maltopia has to to provide. And that's kind of where I went with that. But there were definitely a lot of other characters that I was drawing from. Um, My favorite movie is one of my favorite movies anyways, Chinatown with Jack Nicholson. And when I was thinking about Isaiah, I was thinking largely about that character. And I just, there's just a lot of things about that movie. I love a lot of things about Jack Nicholson. I love, and of course my, my poor facsimile of his voice was, you know, the, the foundation for Isaiah. I had come up with a voice first. And I think I remember uh, showing you guys some like initial drafts. Like I was recording into my phone, like different voices. And I was sending them over. And uh, I finally got one that I thought was, was reasonably decent. I mean, I don't, I'm probably like everybody else. I don't like the sound of my own voice and when I hear myself playing Isaiah I'm just focusing on all the aspects that I don't like and I'm like geez I wish I I wish I had a better voice or I had somebody else to do this voice because it really I don't like it and (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be better if I just went full on Jack Nicholson like tried to just be Jack Nicholson like do the accent in full but I backed away from it because I'm like I don't want people just to think like just doing Jack Nicholson uh, accent and that's kind of cheap I don't want them to you know so I was like all right well kind of I'll kind of half ass it a little bit. I'll make it sound something like Jack Nicholson and something like me, which, you know, my, my uh, contribution is the part I don't like. Um, but that's where his character came from. I, a lot of um, just a, a lot of noir stuff that I was interested in, you know, Blade Runner obviously is in there. Um, there are elements of other stories and movies that I I kind of drew heavily from, and all of that went into Isaiah um rosemary was a little bit different because i was thinking about a a a character that yet again you know talking about mental disorders and whatnot she was more um representative of schizoaffective disorder um but at the same time with both characters it was difficult to grant them like a full realistic percentage of disorder because i don't know how the story would flow if i were to have done that and because i think it would have been more about that than anything else so it's kind of like an unrealistic peppering of disorder um rather than like a full-on realized disorder and with her more so than with isaiah i really wanted um the the powerlessness of of that disorder to come through but at the same time I wanted her to be defined by her ability to to get over it and and do something in a very productive uh self-affirming way and there were just a lot of characters that I I drew from for her in fact the name Rosemary came from Rosemary Rosemary's baby now her character I I don't you know I don't know how many people would say her character was assertive um now I've watched this movie probably Oh, God. Literally, I can say at least a thousand times I've seen this movie. And every time I watch it, I come away with a different sense of her. And there was also a bit of the character from the Blair Witch Project. What's her name? Um, What is her name? I can't think of it. It's
2: like my favorite film in the world. Um, Yeah.
0: Uh, (laughs) What is her name? Damn it. I can never. It's going to be on my tombstone. Can never remember names when he needs to he will just never remember them i just can't but like as i've watched that movie is in, in, in which i've probably seen as much as is rosemary's baby um different elements of her character started coming out to me like as i was watching a lot of people didn't like her they were they were like she was like the least favorite character uh, and for a lot of people and as i got into it i was like she's my favorite character because she's like she's the one that's just got the spine like she's the one that's not falling apart she's the one that's holding things together she might be the one that you know even her character she blames herself for the situation that they've gotten into lost in the woods haunted and harrowed by a a witch but she she's strong she gets through shit she 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 manages to try to hold things together is her name
4: is her name ellie or jess
2: heather It's Heather. Heather. Google. It was killing me. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: but she, she's, I, I think the initial reception of the movie was like, nobody liked her because she got them into trouble yeah. and, and, and all this. But as I'm watching it, you know, as I've seen it so many damn times, she's the spine, like she's the skeleton of that group. She doesn't buckle. She doesn't fold. She gets presented the worst shit and she still manages to kind of keep things together you know she's presented a, a, a small collection of what's his name's teeth and she just keeps it under wrap not because she's gone insane she's just like i can't deal with this right now It's nothing useful to discuss i'm just going to put it over here everything's fine i'm okay let's get her shit together let's get the hell out of here so i mean granted she doesn't have schizoaffective disorder but what she does is she has a challenge to her reality that is beyond anything that any normal person would have to contend with And she stands up to it as much as she can, and oftentimes far more than her companions. And so she was ingrediential. And with Rosemary from Rosemary's Baby, there was this, I don't know how to describe it. There was, um, there's like a softness to her character that makes her very sympathetic. Like whenever I watch that movie, I just, I hate her husband. Like, what an asshole. What are you doing to your, she is such a good person. And you're doing all this horrible, shitty stuff to her and um but there's there's yet again there's a there's a there's a there's a quiet strength to her much much quieter than say with heather who's just kind of like where this is what we got to do this is how we're going to do it and Mm -hmm. but with her it was kind of like she was kind of clever about what she did in some cases and she she figured things out as she went along and um I mean, there was just there was just a lot of, of characters that I referenced for this particular one. There's a couple in, in a, a number of different short stories. Uh, Scully,
4: Scully as well from the
0: Exodus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Scully is, you know, she's just an unrepentant skeptic on all levels. But here, um, Rosemary doesn't have the option of being a skeptic. You know, obviously she's, her job is to be involved in this stuff. But what she is instead of a skeptic is kind of an analytical person to to kind of, contend with all of the wild abstraction that she's she's faced with is she kind of like algorithmically just boils it down and she figures it out and she addresses it in the way that she has to, not just because you know of her job, her job calls upon her to do that as a dream catcher, but as a person who's managing her reality, which unlike everyone else's, is always shifting and very quicksilver. And and it requires her to have that solid center at all times. And, and that differs from Isaiah, ironically, who you might say, well, here's a guy who is defined by solidity, his want to escape solidity in many ways. But he's very soft in the center. As you can see, he's um, in many ways, he's, he's, he's he, I don't want to say like a mama's boy in the sense that he's he needs Romy more than Romy needs him. Let's just put it that way. Like he's far more empowered by her than she is by him she could probably be fine away from him. Whereas he would fall apart now having met her and being kind of reinforced by him. Now he couldn't do without, her. he needs that stability. He needs that family and she does too, but I don't think to the same extent, I think that she's a much stronger character inside with regards to her needs than he is. And, and that's where you see this, they kind of swap in ways that I think are kind of ironic. Um, Whereas he is defined by strengthening reality in a way, kind of like purging it of all of its alienness and being able to be like a rock in, in many respects, just the anchor point for all things solid and sane. Um, he's really not, right? he falls apart quite a bit. He's, he's troubled. He's very introspective. Um, he, he doesn't like solidity. He, he views everything as being overly banal and um, unlike uh Romy, he he slipped into darkness a bit more than she has you know he's turned this whole hunting of exopaths into a game because to him it's the only way to get the kind of release from reality that he craves um Romy hasn't really slipped i mean there was a part in uh the last episode where nycris the night christ basically says you know, what you do is an attempt to regain the control that you don't have by, by entering other people's minds and and essentially playing God inside the, 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 the domain of their mind, you're fashioning and playing with their weakness in a way and, and creating control in a way that you've never had. And that was like news to her. I mean, it was true, but it wasn't something she'd actually thought of. And in that sense, it's also more like she never actively chose to do something wrong she might have unconsciously done it but it wasn't a choice she didn't really like actively choose to do something that she thought ethically was a bad decision whereas Isaiah knew it was bad did it anyway so he's his his ethics his core I think are softer than than uh, Romy's which is ironic because Romy is defined by the loquescence of her ability and so I kind of like to thread all of those things together and and that it was that interplay like where you would expect one thing to be the domain of this character. It's actually the domain of that character. And then that's kind of how that, that balance between night and day sleep and wake and the disorders themselves came from, because I think, um, geez, I'm talking for, uh, well, maybe I should shut up.
4: (laughs) No, keep going. It's fascinating. Uh, uh,
0: But um, you know, the the thing about obsessive compulsive disorder and, and Tourette's is you're kind of locked into a repetition of thought and action. You have rituals and you have obsessive thoughts. Um, with and that's more obsessive-compulsive disorder with Tourette's. It's you know, you can have ticks, uh, which he does have. In fact, he has he has my least favorite tick, the eye ticks. Um, which for me were, was something he had to have because growing up, my eye ticks as my brother could tell you, everybody hated my eye ticks. They make a horrible sound and like nobody wants to be around you when you're doing that, and um, but you're forced to you're forced to do the same things over and over and over again. And you either go one of two ways in a situation like that, you embrace the repetition and you yourself become a kind of creature of routine and habit, or you seek to escape that routine. And Isaiah was, you know, the latter of that. Um, And it's, you know, you're, you're constantly wanting to escape patterns and routines, at least the way that I came into a relationship with my own disorders, as opposed to kind of embrace them. And that's where his character came from. Um, and how, why did I bring that up? There was a reason. Um, some that,
4: <laughs> <laughs> briefly, some of the, um, I gotta say, I could, I could see how it could work. I don't have uh, your or Steve's particular disorders, I do have my own um, set of issues. And one of the worst bits of advice I ever got uh, at one of the worst times it could possibly be given um, somewhere around my early 20s by um, um, a trusted source who didn't know how terrible the advice was for me, despite how well the advice worked for the person was to embrace my depression. And that set me back nearly a decade. Things got real dark there because I thought there was a way, maybe that works for some people. I I don't know, but for me, certainly um, no, 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 I, I can't, I have to, that has to be, um, fought. <laughs> it did not work out anyway. Go ahead.
0: No. And I, and I think that's, you know, an important facet of, of, uh, you know, mental disorders, I think are just an exaggeration of traditional mental processes in a lot of ways. So there's a lot of sympathizing that can be done with people that have disorders and, and, and repetition, um, and and the embracing of or the rejecting of things that you don't like as a result of having uh, a disorder or just a character trait that you don't like that isn't really grounded in the particular disorder or whatever, you know, you either come to accept it in this kind of passive way where you just say, all right, well, this is how I am and that's fine and I'll just become this thing and or or you want to transcend it. Now, I'm not saying one is any better than the other. I'm sure there's there's benefits uh, to the path I didn't take, but mine was more like, well, I don't want to be defined by this. I really want to be... Um, you know, it's a part of me, yeah. I have to contend with that, but at the same time, it isn't anything I want to be stuck with, and it isn't anything um that I want to be disruptive to my life. I want to kind of get past it. And with ticks and things like that, and and ritualized thoughts and habits and all that, you know, it, it forces you to contend with the world around you because you're constantly paying attention to it because it, it's built into your your ticks or not your ticks, but your your obsessions or your rituals. I had early rituals where, um, you know, I had to pray so many times. Um, and I was an atheist, so it was kind of a bizarre <laughs> obsession to have, um, <laughs> before I could do an obsession ritual that I had. Um, and that was, you know, it's, it's, it's own thing that needed to be addressed and transcended in, in one way or another, uh, for my way of thinking, by way, my, uh, in my way of thinking. And, that's kind of what Isaiah is. He's locked into this ritual, this pattern, which is reality, which has been all to him. And he wants to get out of it. And his problem is he can't, he's literally locked into it. He doesn't even sleep. He gets no reprieve from it whatsoever. It's just constantly in his face. And so the, the, the temptation for him was, well, I have to do this job, which they kind of make me do. I don't have any other choice. Um, but I'm going to try to do it in a way that allows me to escape the world that I've been forced into. And so that was kind of his darkness where he took his time when he probably didn't need to and, and may have cost lives in the process. Maybe that's where the narrative is right now. There, there may be more to that. Um, and and with Rosemary, it, you know, schizoaffective disorder for me anyway um, is You know, I I first started having instances of it, uh, uh, periods or spells or whatever you want to call it. It, With me, it wasn't a constant thing. Uh, I would have bouts, uh, which isn't really typical of it, um, where I would have hallucinations and and so on and so forth. And the thing that really, really, really destroyed me was the sense that things weren't real, is that the the world didn't have a core or a solidness to it that I could hold on to, that anything that that I could take nothing for granted. And I kind of, you know, transposed that to to Rosemary, and gave her more strength than I ever had, you know, in terms of dealing with it. And so, as a writer, it's it's fun to to write her specifically because she's able to do things that I can't do. Uh, I, I say I can, I, I can kind of hold things at bay. I have the ticks, and you know, I, I can kind of uh, do some of the stuff that he does to keep his ticks and whatnot. But with with her, it's not really true. I I can't muscle through that kind of stuff. It's not maybe it's unrealistic. Maybe I'm painting it incorrectly, but, um, I enjoy writing her because she's, she's kind of like overcoming things that I can't, like, it would be difficult for me to just push off a delusion. It's not how generally it works. And that could be a criticism. You know, somebody that has it as well might say, well, you know, it's not how really that works. You know, you don't just get to push it away. Um, but because it's not, technically schizoaffective disorder it's a side effect of a supernatural condition i can kind of take liberties <laughs> but um we was had experience. a lot
4: of, yeah we had a lot of discussions about that you were you were concerned about how the audience would react to that kind of thing that and it's it's such a, a tricky situation because you want it to be authentic and yeah if there's anyone who can make these things authentic it's you but at the same time you it it needs to work uh in the story as you said in the beginning and at the same time there's a desire as a creator as a writer to want to kind of make it your own
3: yeah
4: and kind of meld the two together the story and these conditions and the characters and the plots and just kind of play with it to see what you can do creatively with these disorders. And well, that's a, that's there, there a, was a large concern there that, you know, what if the audience rebels against this? And we had a lot of discussions about how not just forgiving the audience is when it comes to artistic license, but how intrigued they themselves might be in how you, um, for lack of a better term, maltopianize these things and kind of make them your own and make them part of the literary world.
0: Well, that well There's that's a, the te- that's that's the problem. You don't want to caricaturize. Um, yeah people with this disorder. And I wouldn't want to do that. I have the disorders. And, you know, when I see myself reflected in art, you know, television shows or, or books, it tends to be very caricaturized. It's not very nuanced. It's a very slight dabbling with the topic that doesn't go all too deep. Um, and I think I can, you know, there's a little of that going on here too, uh, because it's hard for me as someone who has this to really convey that to someone who doesn't it's 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 more something that someone that has it can kind of identify with maybe they may come out of it and say yeah, yeah and it's not really dead on you know it's, it's not, not
4: my experience
0: yeah it's not my experience and it, it's it's not fully embraced yet and and when I was writing it it was kind of like I want I want people like me to see their themselves reflected in in this particular genre as well uh, I may not be able to give it as full a treatment as I'd like because I think not much else would happen. It would be just you're living inside of these two people's heads, person's heads. And that's what the disorder is like with schizoaffective disorder. And, and even with, uh, you know, obsessive thoughts and whatnot, you're living in here most of the time. Um, and when you're out here, it's in the worst possible way. You're, you're, you're looking at things in a, in a very different way than I think normal people do, you know, just, just driving down the street can be problematic in terms of like, if I, if I, stop paying attention for a second let's say and i don't mean that in a dangerous driving fashion like i you know i decided to like check my phone or something it's just kind of like i started thinking about something and i pass a tree i'll think i just hit somebody i just ran somebody over holy shit and then i'll start driving and you didn't mark you didn't hit anybody there wasn't nothing's wrong you're okay yeah but you're gonna wake up at three o'clock in the morning thinking the police are coming for you because you just ran somebody over and i think everybody can identify with that to a certain extent but when it's just screwed into your brain, you know, you, 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 then you turn around, (laughs) you turn your car around, you go check and make sure that there's nobody dead laying inside of the road. And, and that's how you engage reality. You're just kind of tiptoeing around in some senses. Mm -hmm. And Steven has got, you know, and here's the other thing, when you're trying to represent a condition, even if it's the same condition, your experience of it can vary. He has, we're brothers obviously. So we should be fairly similar, but his experience of, OCD and, and, and trust is much different than my different ticks. You have different, different obsessions, completely different than my distinct. Can and- I,
4: can I break in here? One of my, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I've known you guys, I don't know, 25 years, give or take, we've been working quite closely for um, six or seven or eight now. And just uh, from what I can tell, just like a couple of months ago, uh, Steve had this new one, and I didn't realize that ticks could be uh, technology-oriented. Uh, we have a, a group chat on WhatsApp, and um, in typical Steve fashion, he tends to just hang back, and he chimes in if asked, but otherwise he just it's Mark and I going back and forth following the conversation. We have another, hey, talk, group. we have another. Talking about,
0: talking about my zoom call or my. I- yeah, we have, we have another,
4: <laughs> we have another group chat with Kelly and he typically hangs back and chimes in when needed, but on the, on our, our group chat, just the three of us um, whenever he does engage, I'll get uh, my phone will ring and It happens, could happen once, could happen four times in five minutes. You just never know. And after a couple of weeks of this, I'm like, do you, is this, I I figured it it was a fluke because um, Mark, especially, neither of the brothers are super tech savvy. So I figured he just kept hitting the wrong button. So I asked about it in chat and come to find out it was, it was a tick. It was something Steve had to do. Yeah, it's always weird it's always when you have Tourette's and obsessive compulsive disorder they blend together so like it's a tick but at the same time there's a weird reasoning behind it like I think my family's gonna die if I don't do it and then I think well if I don't do it I'm a piece of shit because I'm not willing to just push a button for to save my family so I just end up always doing it and there's so. this running joke like Steve will call and I'm go and then I'll type in chat there goes Steve saving lives again <laughs> and it's just kind of a running joke with us. And uh he knows it's all, you know, just uh lighthearted, just poking fun. But that was, it's just, like I said, I have my own kind of more run-of-the-mill depression and anxiety stuff. And seeing this stuff, you know, not to be insensitive, but it is fascinating how... And even beyond that, it's fascinating how you guys have dealt with it. And it reminds me of one of the, one of the most poignant things. I think it was Mark who said it. Um, one of the most poignant things about why we've spent so long on Maltopia, why we continue to pour our, our hearts into the podcast and our writing And Mark said it was almost a repository for their conditions and what Maltopia can provide them. The brothers is a way to not just hopefully someday make a living doing what they love doing, but pouring all of their conditions into something that can be turned into something good for other people. And I thought that was fascinating. And this was around the time before sleep-wake cycle, when we were discussing, you know what, maybe we should take on this Herculean task of bringing mental health to our stories in a much more, Um, not overt is the word um, in a much more overt fashion you know in a lot of our mythos and limited series and even some of our uh, longer works you'll see little analogies to or personifications of uh, depression or anxiety and interesting you know kind of subtextual things but um, we, we, one of the major reasons we chose sleep-wake cycle over other projects was exactly for that reason, because Mark recognized in sleep-wake cycle the possibility of incorporating conditions in a way that made sense both to him and to the audience in ways that couldn't be replicated with the other projects. And that was one of the major factors that, that um, led to us settling on sleep wake cycle. And well, it, um, it's
0: like you said, it's, it's, it's like a repository. Like when I was younger, you know, going back to what Kelly was talking about, being, you know, in a D and um, I role played all the time. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I loved to do was to just create, Um, my own role-playing systems and just play the hell out of them. And when I wasn't doing that, I was doing science. You know, I got into this um, research trajectory, I guess you could say, and I started to kind of pour myself into that and and what the condition kind of does and and why, you know, I wanted to draw some attention to it in a positive way sometimes too. I mean, there's a lot of downs to it, but there's also a lot of advantages to it. Um, You know, my, my head is constantly going, it needs stuff to do. And if I'm not working on this, I'm working on the science stuff that I that I do, um, which is unfortunately not become uh, it's not a professional thing anymore. I don't you know, I'm not doing what I was doing in school or anything like that. But it's, it's still something I like to do and it's something I write a lot about. Um, and so, you know, when I'm not doing that, I'm doing the, the the writing and it is just this vast repository of things that I I feel I need to do with all that energy. I just come up with things, and 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 I think a lot of that is the product of the disorder. You know, a disordered mind in some ways, but an advantaged mind in another. I think the condition is enabling in a lot of ways, um, and I've heard that you know echoed from other kinds of of conditions. You know, I have friends who have autism, and they you know same thing. You know, there are certainly downsides to it, but in some of the more functional cases, you have people who really wouldn't want to do without it they have a very specific way of thinking about the world it's it's a very um uh it's a different way than i think schizoids think but it's it's unique and it has its own challenges but it also has its own advantages and uh so the the characters have that as well and like i said the stories themselves wouldn't exist i think but for my own disorders having to have the energy um to just to spend in, in, in very specific ways. And that's where all this comes from. So, you know, I, I think, um, to have that out there for people who have similar conditions, even people who don't have, you know, those types of conditions, but have something other, I think there's a, there's a kinder, there's a bond there, um, for people who are neuro, uh, atypical, is that the right phrase I'm using it? Am I using it? Neuro, Neuro 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 neurodivergent, 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 I think is, the I'm not, I'm not up on the liggity, but, uh, you know, I, I think that's there, but at the same time, it's it's not so far removed from the mainstream that somebody that doesn't have a disorder couldn't equally enjoy the content, get into it, and, and, you know, and that's why it's kind of split, and why I say to a certain extent, it isn't realistically representing the conditions in full, because, you know, one, they're not necessarily represented as schizoaffective disorder and Tourette's and, and OCD, respectively. They're kind of resembling. Those disorders because of the supernatural qualities that they possess and how that affects their their thought process. But um, I'll shut up. (laughs) We're
4: uh, drawing to the close of the first episode. Um, But before we go, I thought of a a really cool way to end this episode and uh, super heavy spoiler alert here. I'm sure the audience would love to hear um steve and i were aware of it long ago but especially from kelly and perhaps we can hear a bit from mark about that uh bombshell reveal (laughs) at the end of the finale of season one so talk to us about that
2: (laughs) the 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 reveal that when i finally read it and i i immediately got on whatsapp and was like are you kidding me (laughs) what is this um i this is this is fun because i am dying to know how this works now because the description of our dear brother <laughs> um <laughs> is horrifying so i'm i'm trying to piece together how this all happened at the time of birth and where and how this worked. so um yeah mr sugar that weird 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 now not very good looking dude (laughs) no (laughs) is related to us and i i that was amazing because i was like okay it's obviously something this guy's helping us for some reason but who the heck knows where this is going and i yeah that's what that's what i love about the fact that i get i get it right before i record it because i'm always like what and so that was like the best ending i ever saw so (laughs) from my standpoint i'm just like okay what are you doing mark where where are we going with this because i i need to know
0: (laughs) It was, it was fun because like a lot of people were writing in and they're like kind of guessing what what he was and what was going on with him. And, uh, you know, when I first came up with him, I was like, what do I want this guy to be? And, and one of the things that I do when I write, um, and, I don't, and I don't know where this comes from, but I'll write. And the same thing when I illustrate, when I draw something, um, I'll do it. I'll write it. I'll draw it, whatever it is. And then I sleep. And then as I'm waking up, for whatever reason or in the middle of the night, like whatever needs to be under, whatever connections need to be drawn are like right there. I get it. And it lets me know whether the character is fully fleshed out, what his connections are going to be. And with the drawing, it lets me know if it's, if it's shitty. Like I think my nighttime eyes, like when I'm getting tired, I don't know how many times I've read something or looked at a drawing and gone, Oh, this is fucking awesome. People are going to love this. (laughs) This is good. And then, like, the middle of the will snap up. That's stupid. This drawing is awful. I have to redo the eyes. I have to redo the hands. That's, a, that's awful. And then I'll just pick apart. Like, you know, it's like when you send an email, you don't notice the mistakes until you hit send. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it's kind of like that, like in the middle of the night, I'm like, oh, that whole concept is dumb. It doesn't have any foundation. It's this, it's that. It's just totally yeah. stupid. And and I'll wake up and sometimes if I'm lucky, I'll have some solutions for it. So as I started writing Mr. Sugar, at first he was a, a lot of different things and he wasn't going to play uh, very significantly into things at all. And then I started kind of putting things together. I don't want to give too much away in terms of how he works yet. Cause that's actually going to be something I address and, in upcoming seasons because there's there's kind of a a uniqueness to it i i think that'd be kind of cool to to have come out in the story but um yeah when i i was envisioning him it was kind of like i don't want this guy he came out something like the joker which i didn't know i could do a joker impersonation it wasn't what i was shooting for but when i heard it well actually the first time i heard it it had effects on it steven had put some um uh, I think we were doing like a recording vintage crackle in the background or something like that.
4: Oh, that's when he was, uh, he was killing, um, the contact that Isaiah had.
0: Yeah. And I didn't get a Joker vibe from him. I just got this like lunatic vibe from him. And then when I did his voice without effects, I'm like, dude, that's, that's the Joker. I'm doing the Joker. And (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I, it's, it's, that's who it seems to me to sound like. And unfortunately, you know, he's a clown and the Joker is, got clown makeup i didn't intend for there to be an overlap uh and in terms of function they will not function the same so you don't you don't have to worry about that um but yeah i just kind of had all these ideas i didn't know what to do with them just woke up one night and like aha they're brothers they're triplets that's what they okay now i get it now i got it i'm now i'm rolling i got this so then i I immediately got up from bed and my wife hates me because i'll turn the light on and sit over at my desk and start which is, which sucks is I have a study outside. Um, I just had it insulated and it was supposed to be, you know, rock solid for the winter. So I could, I could work out there, but unfortunately it, it isn't. I have to have a whole different part insulated. So it wasn't functioning during the winter. So my desk, one of my desks is in here. So I had to come in here. and So I get up very late in the night and I start going at my notebooks so where I'm writing on. I've got the, you know, the Samsung Note, so I can write on that and uh so that that one night of that and then mr sugar was born but he um he he was he was he was fun to to write he was fun to voice act and he was fun to draw so he was he was a plus all the way around
4: awesome hopefully uh possibly we'll have to talk about it but maybe in uh the last episode or two of these talk shows before season two maybe uh mark will be able to share a few teasers about Mr. Sugar and more uh, regarding what you can expect to uh, discover in season two. But we are going to leave it there for episode one. And we have lots of other aspects of the sleep-wake cycle that we want to get into. I have a list of additional questions. We're going to uh, bug Kelly. For a few questions see if there's anything specific she'd like to know i know most of her questions have to do with season two but maybe there's a couple uh that she'd like to a couple aspects or topics that she'd like to dive into regarding the series from there we'll likely expand on to um our maltopia podcast other stories there discuss uh Um, Anything and everything there, as well as horror in general, writing, uh, anything at all we can get into. And what we'd like from you, the audience, is we're compiling some questions over on Patreon, but um, you can also, if you have anything uh, that you'd like to ask us, Uh, just head over to our Twitter or our Discord um, or Crazy Thought, join us on Patreon, ask your questions there, and uh, chances are we will uh, bring it up here and we'll give you credit for the question. Um, And I think that will do it. So, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week to pick up the conversation. Say bye, everybody.
2: Bye, Bye, everybody. (laughs) See everybody later. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Thanks for stopping by.
3: See you next time. Thank you.